Oh, thank you, Lord. See, now that I've now that I've loosened you up a little bit, here comes the good stuff, right? This this message, if it were, if it were titled, which I do, I do, I like to title my messages for some reason. I don't know. It doesn't really mean anything, but other than it's a title, and the, and it's this is room for only one, room for only one, and and uh, we all know, and we might all believe, and I think that in this culture that we live in. We might not all believe this, and even in this room, we live in a culture that is is it, it promotes. If I could say the right word, do I have Blake in the room? No, he's teaching, so it might be uh, might have somebody. It's a plural pluralistic religious world that we live in, and what that means is simply this: is that it is more popular to believe that there are many ways and many other facets of God and many other gods out there. That today than ever before. And this, is, this goes to true of like even in the eras when there was the Greek gods, the Egyptian gods. I think today the most popular thing is to be tolerant of everybody else's beliefs. And that's something. So, so when we preach a message like this, when the Bible actually speaks of a message like this. And I got a lot of scripture today. In fact, I, I have very few points to make. But a lot of scripture to read and to explain and to, and to uh, open up <clears throat> is room for only one isn't a popular concept. But it's a biblical concept and it's a biblical truth that there's only one God. Amen? Amen. One God, one Lord, one Spirit. And he is it. Jesus is the Son of God. He is God the Son. The Holy Spirit is God the Spirit. God the Father is God the Father. There's one God. So there, but there's room for only one. And Jesus said some things that were very, that were, you know, in his day, they may not even, even have been that controversial as they are today. But as he said these things, they did raise controversy, but maybe not to the level that they would today. So I'm going to open up some scriptures that I think we're going to bring, not just the controversy, but actually bring us to a place of, like, hey, this is good, solid truth. Hello? Anybody want some good, solid, meaty, meaty truth? Meaty stuff. I know, I know we like, I like, I do like warm, pleasant eggnog. I do. I love eggnog. That's nice and just tasty. And it's, I, I but, but you know what I really, really like is a, Doggone ribeye steak, man. I think I am is sorry, but that is one of the requirements. All my kids are all married, which is fantastic because they didn't pick a vegan for their spouse. Oh, I am so glad for that. I, I, I am so blessed that there are no vegans in my home. I, I, no, I am not. I am not backing out of that one. I, I am going to stand on that. That's going to be a, a I'm going to plant that flag in my house. No vegans. I'm sorry if I offended you, but that's just my thoughts. Uh, I'm sorry if you got one in your home. It's, it must be miserable. I don't even know how you'd tolerate that. Oh, my goodness. So, so we're, we're into some meat this morning. We're... we're, we're we're into some meat, and I know that there's people in the room that are like, oh, I don't know if I'm coming back here anymore. I don't know. And it's always, I've always said and I've always believed that you got to want to come to church at the salt mine. 
Yeah, you got exactly. Yeah, even even the offering, to take an offering, you gotta you gotta chase them down to want to give, and that's what we're talking about today, is room for only one. And how Jesus presented it is this way. So Matthew chapter six, starting in verse nineteen in the New Living Translation, goes like this. Um, and this is in the Sermon on the Mount. You guys know how much I love the Sermon on the Mount. I think it's the greatest, the best sermon that's ever been preached on the planet, ever. There's never been a better sermon ever preached. And of course, Jesus is the one who preached it. And this is a part of it right smack in the middle of it. And he says this, don't store up for yourselves treasures here on earth. And it's okay if babies make noise. I do, they do not bother me. If you have a dog in here that's barking, I, I, that's okay too. But, but we might have to, but, but that's okay. They just, they just distract you, right? So let's not get distracted by the babies and the dogs. So there's no dogs in the room, right? That's all right. <laughs> Uh, well, if, if you need to, if you need to, that's okay. That's okay. Let's go back to the Bible. Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them. And where thieves break in and steal, store your treasures in heaven. In fact, uh, many translations says, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Uh, uh, put ahead Invest in your treasures in heaven, where moths and rust cannot destroy, and thieves do not break in and steal. For wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp. And this is like, I like how he tells you how that looks, how that looks, because sometimes we get that a little bit backwards, you know, where, because he says, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. We seem to want to present the, uh, the opposite message, which is, well, wherever the desires of my heart is, is where the tr- my treasures are at. You guys with me? Okay, good. So uh, wherever the treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. And then he says this, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. Do you hear what he said there? This is really enlightening. Your eye tells you what's going on inside of you. In other words, what you see, how you see, is what's telling you what is happening on the inside of you. You Guys following with me? This is Jesus teaching this. The eye, your eye, is like the lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with light darkness. And this is where this verse gets, this is one of my favorite verses of the Bible. Come on, nobody laughed at that. Gosh, you guys, guys, I thought you guys knew me for a little while because I say that like at least twice a week. But this is one of those. This is it because this is like this interesting thing that Jesus says, says, and then he goes on to say, And if the light you think that you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. In other words, he says in another translation, how deep does that darkness go? The the light that you think, or, or actually the light you think is actually darkness. So, so here's, here's something I hear because he taught, he's, he's coming from the place of of, of uh, well, okay, I need to finish it. I need to finish the, the, the passage before I talk about this. And then he, because then he goes on and he says, no one can serve two masters. 
is where I get the title from the message. No one can serve two masters, two lords, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. How interesting is that? I mean, let's think about this for a second. Let's just, let's just unwrap this real quickly. And then as we unwrap it, we're going to just dig into what this actually is. We're going we're to look at the, how the mechanism of this concept, this kingdom concept works in our very own personal lives. Because here's what he says is that that very thing that he says if the light that is in you is darkness, how deep does that darkness go? And he says, you can't serve two masters. You will hate the one and love the other, but you cannot serve both God and money. Do you hear what he's saying here? He's tying this together. He's combining it and he's actually making it, connecting it, that a light that we might perceive as, as, as uh, healthy, how we see things and how we process and how we, how we actually deal with the worldly stuff, the money that we have to deal with in our lives, we can actually be, we could deceive ourselves and it's so easy to do into thinking that that is light. Uh, here, we use words like this and we validate these words that are, that are worldly, frugal, wisdom. I'm frugal with my money. I'm wise with my money. I don't let anybody just take it. I'm really careful with my money. Hello? Do you hear what he's saying there? Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear what the Holy Spirit's saying? That is a light that is actually dark. Because what we do is we validate greedy selfishness by calling it something that seems to be noble. Hello? Did you guys catch that? And, and then he says, how deep does that go? Because it's a deep pit, because we could just keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. Greediness, selfishness begets greediness and selfishness. Generosity and kindness and giving begets more generosity and kindness and giving. And the reason I'm gonna tell you straight up, this is so easy for me to preach on because God dealt with this in my heart right off the bat when I became a follower of Jesus. And I'm so grateful and so glad that he did. It's just basically not an issue at all in my very heart. And I, mostly because I was, I was discipled right away by Glenn and Linda and my, wasn't wife at the time, but you know, that hey, this is how we deal with money. We give. We give and we look for opportunities to give. We give right off the bat with everything that God gives us because it's not really us earning it. It's God giving it. Wow. And when we, and, and, and because you could, and it was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Duh. And I've always been a really, really hard worker. Everybody knows that in my life. I always earned really well, well enough to provide for my family. But it's never been a me thing. It's always been a God thing. I still can remember distinctly to this day, every day of my working life, when I worked with my hands, and I still do, plastering walls and stucco and stuff, and Andy remembers those days. He was one of my hod carriers. And uh, plastering and stuccoing and, and thanking God for these hands 
said, God, you made these hands to be able to do this. Thank you, God, that you've given me the hands, the feet, the back that's strong enough to continue to do this every single day. Thanking God for just that very thing. And never, never, look at, never looking at it and saying, wow, look what I did. Look what I can do. Look what I have done. Look how much I made. Look what I have accomplished. And you know what? The temptation was real. It was right there, though. I'm going to be straight up with you guys. I'm sharing you some of the stuff in my life. Because I was raised very poor. In other words, we didn't have anything growing up. In fact, we had very little. We were homeless even at, at a lot of times in, our, in my life, in my childhood. And, you, you know, my, the very stepdad that I had that barely could provide anything. In fact, he took more than he gave. You know, I still remember the day that he's like, oh, I'm making this much money. You know, blah, blah, blah. And, I'm, and I was like a teenager. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. And by the time I became even a very, by the time I was 19 years old, I was making more money than he ever made on his paychecks. And it wasn't, I'm not bragging about it like that, but as though like, look at me, but I was like, this is God doing it. God did it. God did it. And God continued to do it. And so, yes, there was a temptation to say, look at me. Look at me, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Buying a house by the time we were 20 years old. Look at me, my parents never even bought a house. And I, was a, I, I could have, but God didn't let me do it because my heart wasn't there. Hello? So that's why he says this, these, all these things that are really enlightening to us as a person is how much of God has how much does God have of your very life, your very heart? He says the desires of your heart. So that's the the treasure, the treasure of your life will actually dictate the desires of your heart. Think about that. So let him be the treasure and he'll dictate, he'll develop the treasure in your heart or the desires of your heart. Sorry. See, even I get it mixed up even when I try to preach on it. So here's what I want to do. I want to talk about this a little bit. Like I said, we're going to unwrap it and then we're going to see how this, the mechanically, um, the mechanics of Christianity and giving works in your lives. Hello? How exciting is that? Malachi chapter three, let's go there, right off the bat. And just in case, just for giggles, um, if there's anybody, if there's any, any uh, mindset that says, well, that's Old Testament stuff, and here's, we only go by New Testament, like, that's nonsense, that's garbage, you, you're, you're, again, you're taking, you're, you're validating something that is a biblical concept and saying, well, it doesn't apply because it's an Old Testament thing, talking about tithing and giving. You know, 2 Timothy 3.16. Can you pop it up there? It's one that we ought, if you can, that's okay. If you can't, that's all right. I know you just popped up that. It's one that maybe ought to have you, you ought to be memorized. I have it memorized. It's all scripture. The word all, I looked it up in every translation that's ever been written, still says the word all. They all say that. All scripture is inspired by God. All scripture is inspired by God. 
You can't just pick and choose which ones apply and which ones don't. Because here's what he says. It is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. Oh, you really use NLT. The other ones might say, help us to see that the stuff that we have to repent of. Okay. Reproof. <laughs> Correction and training in righteousness. It's used for us to grow in God. All of it. So let's take a look at piece, uh, 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 here's a piece that's a part of the all. Malachi chapter 3. Go back to Malachi chapter 3. Sorry, sorry, Michael. Got to be on your toes here. <laughs> Says this, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? You are God, right? How can we steal from you? And, and God says this, in your tithes and offerings or contributions, you are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse and there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test that, that he says, the Lord of hosts. Test me in this. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. In fact, uh, uh, some translations say, like, I will pour so much into you that it will be an overflowing in your storehouse. And, and see, here's what I want us to hear real quick. And I'm going to talk about this. Uh, first of all, let's just, let's just discuss what is the tithe. What is a tithe? Anybody have an answer? Okay, I got an answer. What's that? One tenth is what it means. A tenth of that which is given to you. Yes, Katie. Okay, the first tenth. That's even better because it's the, if you want to call it one tenth, it's the first one tenth or 10% of your first income of, of you, what you earn on, in a given week or a given month. A 10% first of that which you have earned that God has given you the ability to earn. One-tenth is a tithe. And he says, you've held that from me. You've robbed me from it. Now, now I want us to just right off the bat, like, what is he accusing us of, of robbing him from? Uh, not the money. Okay, hear this. Hear this loud and clear. You can't steal money from God. Okay. But what can you take from God? What's that? First fruit, you can, but here's what he's accusing us of taking from him. And I want us to hear this and see this. We got to hear it and see it because it's what actually it says. You guys know that I preached on this. It was two years ago, maybe, but you might remember. It's this very thing. The opportunity, the door for God to bless you. Okay, come on, let's only see it that way. God is looking to bless you. Come on, brothers and sisters, I'm passionate about this, and you know this. I mean, I will weep over this and cry and pray over God blessing us, and he wants to pour into us, and when we withhold that which he's already given us and say, well, this is mine. I mean, I know it, I hate the girly voice that I got to use, but that's what it sounds like, I think, to God. We use this girly, sorry girls. I know you're more manly than most of us men. Forgive me for that. Okay, this is mine. Was that better? Is a more impact than the girly voice? Let's take a vote. Yeah. 
want it now. It's mine. A little kids, yeah. <laughs> and when we, when, we, when we just hoard it as mine, what we do is we, it's, it, the illustration is so perfect is, is God fix this, God fix this, God fix this, God fix this, but we won't let him have it to fix it. We, we're hoarding it, we're keeping it as though God fixed me, fix all this stuff, all these, this, my life is a, a mess, I can't pay my bills, I don't have enough. And he's saying, here's how, here's how you do it. Let me have it and I will fix it. Not only will I fix it, oh my gosh, will I, not only will I fix it, but I will dump. I mean, he's talking about this, like if I get, I can't get any higher, but up in the heavens, opening up a heavenly door, Woo, open up a heaven door and just pulling up, you know, one of the, 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 the end loaders of David's truck and just dumping, dumping into your life, dumping into your life. That's what he's saying you're robbing him of is the opportunity to him to be good to you, a loving father. He's looking, looking for an opportunity to bless you. We're the ones that withhold that. We keep the door shut. That's why this whole message, this theme of this Christmas Advent series is make room. Make room because when we make the room, he can dump into us. Oh, and he dumps well. He dumps well. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not a side dump or like he misses the spot that David knows what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, yeah. oops. There's no oops in God's language. <laughs> just think about it. Like, uh, just think about it. God like this is he wants to pour so much into you that even if he pours a little too much. <laughs> wow. Bummer. <laughs> I think God wants to pour so much into you. And God told me this. I'm sorry, Stephen and Suzanne for God. For you guys being a part of this now, I didn't know if I forewarned you about this, but God told me this many years ago, right, even before I started full-time ministry, that he was going to use me to pour into this ministry above and beyond and more than we can actually handle. <laughs> Hello? Isn't that like a daily issue? It's more than we can handle. But it's because we continuously give. It's give, give, give. We want to give more. We, you know, we're always looking to give even more and do even more. So that's the tithe. Now, the offering is another thing. The tithe goes to the church. In fact, he says it's my storehouse, my body, my church. The tithe goes to the church. Don't, don't be an, a deceived person and think, oh, well, my tithe is too... You know, uh, I, I've heard this. I've heard this. I, I've heard this from Christians. I don't tithe to the, to the organized church because they're corrupt. Instead, I tithe to the homeless person that needs a, a hamburger. Here's what I want to say to that. And this is bottom line. It's like, you guys hear, hear the term? And it, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's not really a good term, but it makes sense. We don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. In other words, 
just because the bath water is dirty, we toss the whole thing out, the baby and all. That's what that means. And that's, that's just absolutely ridiculous. But that's how ridiculous that concept is to say, well, I don't tithe to the church because it's corrupt. Was that a better voice to make fun of people? Okay. Okay, that one's better. Yeah, yeah. I like to make fun of us. I'm sorry if I do. Forgive me for offending you if you feel like you've made, been made fun of this morning. I, everybody's different. Yeah, that's an understatement. I don't even know where I'm at anymore. Okay. Uh, so, the, so the tithe goes to the church. The offering is that which is, is, is extracurricular from the church. In other words, the hamburger for the homeless person, that's an offering. When we have it here, when we have somebody in need, you know, I, I appreciate when somebody comes to me, one of our, our people, and says, hey, I got this going on, and I got that going on, and I really need help. You bring it to us, the church, and the church does what? We stand up, we step up, and we offer up to help up. Amen? That's an offering. It's above and beyond that which is the tithe. So let's, go, let's get through this. And like I said, we're de- dealing with the, the mechanics, if you will, the logistics of what this looks like in our lives. Like I said, this is like boom, 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 <clears throat> boom, boom, boom. <clears throat> like these are coming at us. You guys ready for some more? <laughs> okay. All right. You and me, brother. I'll sit over here and talk to you. That's the rest. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus tells this parable, which is a parable that... that um, that I, I actually was a part of this conversation with Glenn and, uh, and Glenn and another pastor, and I won't tell you who it was, It'll, you, you, you might be surprised, but that's okay. And, and we were talking about this parable and this other pastor looked at us and he said, I, I still cannot understand what, these, what Jesus is talking about in that, par- in that parable. And I remember Glenn looking at him and like, are you kidding me? What's wrong with you? You're a pastor. You're supposed to understand these things. And I, I mean, just lit into him. And, and he was like, I just, he's like, come on, brother. He's like, you know how Glenn would do. Yeah. So that, so that was, yeah. He, he pulled no punches with anybody, like pastor, whatever it is. He was like, he told you what it was and what it had to be. And I like that. We all love that about him, miss that about him. So Luke chapter 16, starting in verse one, uh, one, I'm going to read this. Jesus told this story to his disciples. I just got all hot and sweaty in here. I don't know if it just got warm or if it's just the Holy Spirit, but either way, let's move on. Jesus told this story to his disciples. There was a certain rich man who had a, had a manager handling his affairs. And one day a report came that the manager was wasting his employee, employer's money. So the employer called him in and said, what's this I hear about you? Get your report in order because you are going to be fired. (laughs) The manager thought to himself, well, now what? My boss has fired me. I don't have the strength to dig ditches and I'm too proud to beg. Oh, I know what I'll do. In fact, he's to ensure that I'll have plenty of friends who will give me a home when I am fired. So he invited each person who owed money to his employer to come and discuss the situation. He asked the first one, how much do you owe him? And the man replied, I owe him 800 gallons of olive oil. So the manager told him, well, take your bill and quickly change it to 400 gallons. (laughs) There's a little little, uh, finagling there. Yeah, so 
And how much do you owe my employer? He asked the next man. I owe him a thousand bushels of wheat. He replied, well, here, manager said, take the bill and change it to 800 bushels. And the rich man, the rich man had to admire the dishonest rascal. I like that. I think that's the only reason I read this translation, because I like that word. It honestly made me, it reminded me of Glenn. That was a word he would use, you rascal. Anyway, <laughs> sorry for... It. <laughs> you dishonest rascal for being so shrewd. And it is true that the children of this world are more shrewd in dealing with the world around them than are the children of the light. So here's the lesson. This is Jesus still teaching, okay? I'm still, I'm still in, in the words of Jesus. Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. And then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches of heaven? And if you are not faithful with other people's things, why should you be trusted with things of your own? No one can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And see, even the, the concept of tithing is embedded in there because a tithe is when we give back to God that which he has given to us. That's the truest form of it. So he's saying you are to be faithful with that which God has given you. So, you guys good? Yeah. Understand it completely? I doubt it. So I'm going to explain it a little bit. So when we're interpreting this parable, Jesus' parables especially, but this one particularly, we must identify the main point he's making. If we get too caught up in the details, it's easy to get confused. For example, like this is, we're used to the idea that the master in a parable or in a story that Jesus even told must be a representation of God. That's a mistake here. In fact, it's a huge mistake here. None of the characters, in fact, you say, I would say none of the characters in the parable are intended to be role models. So that's important to understand. It's important and extremely imperative that we focus on the point that Jesus is making and not the people he is using to make the point. Hello? So that's really important because the key to this parable is found in just this one line. Actually, there's many of them, but this is the one that's the key. It says, for the people of this world are more shrewd, are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. See, Jesus is giving us an example of how people in this world look out for themselves in a way that God's people often neglect to. Do you hear what he's saying here? So what's the point? What's the point is this. In each heart is room enough for only one master. In each heart is room enough for only one master. We must, as his people, give him lordship over money that passes through you. 
See, here's what, here's, here's what we sometimes fail to do. In fact, the other point is this, is, is God's people, we as God's people who have God's spirit in us are to have an eternal perspective. Hello? An eternal perspective, which Jesus said, is an eye that is good, that sees all that is of this world as simply an opportunity to send true treasures into eternity. That's really good. I need to just restate that because it was really good. We as God's people who have the spirit of God in us have an eternal perspective which Jesus said is the eye that is good that sees all that is of this world as an opportunity to send true treasures into eternity. Hello? Now, when we don't have that, we have a deceived eye and we think it's about other things. And we'll make it even, we'll even trick ourselves and think that it is a noble trait to be frugal. And we'll call it that, wise, careful. Well, I'm not going to give them, they're just gonna, I'm not going to give them a dollar, they're just going to go buy beer with it. And we'll, we'll excuse, we'll, we'll actually excuse the opportunity to be kind and giving and helpful and call it something else and call it wisdom. Hello? Well, then take the time and, and, and take that person, throw them in your car, they may stank a little bit, and go down and go through the drive-thru and buy them a hamburger yourself. Hello? I mean, it, 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 I know that that takes effort and time. But see, isn't that really what God is all about? Jesus is about? And if I could say this, and I will say this because I believe I can say it, that's what our brother Bob was all about. I mean that. And I don't, I, that's not blowing smoke. That, he was about that. Because Jesus was in his heart, is in his heart. Now he's full of glory. Oh my goodness, I'm jealous. <laughs> I'm going to finish up here because I'm kind of tired of swinging away. <laughs> the primary, and I'm going to finish, this is some good stuff, and I really am asking the Holy Spirit to speak to each of us and ask him to use the scripture to teach us, to convict us, and ask the Holy Spirit to, to show you something in your life, in your very heart, that maybe is taking up room where God isn't allowed. We must give him room. And I believe that, that you know, this is just, a, this is just the, I think the Holy Spirit speaking this, is Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, and when he refers to that, is that, that yeast is that, is that small little particle, live, live, uh, what's it called? I don't even know what it's called. Uh, uh, it, 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 well, it, it's alive. I don't know. Is it an organism? Is, a, is it a, uh, what, 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 is, what is yeast made up? I, I, I don't know. Now I need to find out what it is. It's just yeast. Huh? A fungus? I don't like fungus, but but it's alive. <laughs> that like that's funny. Uh, I like that one. He says it's like yeast that that starts 
in the tiniest space that's allowed, and it works its way through the whole lump, affecting it, impacting it, and causing it to grow and expand. That's the kingdom of God. That's beautiful to me. I get that now. I get that. I mean, I've gotten it before, but I really get it now, even deeper. I mean, I'm gnawing on a, I'm in a lamb chop at this point. This is good stuff. It has to be fed with, with what? Come on. Huh? Sugar? Okay. I like sugar. And it, doesn't it have to, okay. <laughs> Mike. I wasn't going to say that, but Brother Mike came through. That's how they get good beer. Amen. I think it's something like that. Uh, so, so it has to be in an environment. It has to be cultivated in an environment to grow. Wow. We are here. We are here. God is here. The environment is here. Let him grow. Man, that's good stuff. I got to finish this. I don't know if I could get better than that, but that was good. This gets a little, this, is, this, is, this might be a, a you know, talking about you know, boxing, boom, jaw, 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 kidney. This might be a below the belt one. So, so I want to protect yourself. <laughs> the primary evidence or proof that Jesus is master of your life is what you do with your money. I would even call it this. I would even call it this. It's the smoking gun. It's the murder weapon in your possession that convicts you. Will you be guilty of generosity and being like Jesus when he finds you? Will you be found guilty I believe, as Jesus said it this way, he said, if you're faithful with little, it starts with little things. We give him little and let it build, and he'll build. And in fact, the more that we are faithful with the little things, the more we'll be faithful with the bigger things. But there's also something that I believe can take place. It can even be your very last act. And I think some of you in the room know what I'm talking about. You can't take it with you make sure it goes to the glory of God I know we got to take care of our family and all that good stuff but see that what you have what God has given you to be a steward of goes to his glory and I'm saying that not as like like I'm going to get it I'm saying that as a pastor that loves you. And I want to see you in eternity just basking in the glory of God, saying God has given and he's poured into me so much. I can't wait to see us there in a mansion that's, yeah, I hope your room is bigger than mine. I pray it is. I believe it will be. I'm, yeah, I'll take a closet. I, you know, I'll, I'll be all right with the, with the broom closet. I'll get busy. I might, I might want to shovel and start digging some ditches somewhere. I don't know why I'm a digger, but I just like, but I believe that God is doing this and God is making this happen even today. 
to give us the opportunity to just turn to him. Because it is a move. It's a move. To give is a move. It's a great ideal, but until it's a move, it's not done. It's got to be a move, and it, it might be a move of repentance. In other words, I haven't done it before. I need to do it now. So let us move. And may our, even to the very last act, be one of generosity. Will you be guilty? In fact, so much so, I'm going to finish with this passage if the worship team will come up. <clears> or <throat> this verse in Revelation. This is kind of just going to boom. And, oh, and guess what, Barbara? I'm talking about something super fun next week. You know what? I'm not going to tell you. It's a secret. I know. I couldn't wait to do that. I was like, oh, I'm going to get her good. <laughs> Revelation chapter 22 this is some of the last words that Jesus spoke. Actually, he spoke this to John, John the apostle on the island of Patmos. And this was the last part of the revelation. It's the last part of the Bible, actually. Last chapter of the Bible. And he says this. I like these words. We love these words because we believe these words to be true. And they are prophetic and they're going to come about. It says, behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. Had you ever heard that or seen that before? I want you to see that. I am coming quickly and my reward is with me. Did you ever see that before? Jesus is coming with a reward in his hand. I mean, just think of that. To give to everyone according to what he has done, his work. Huh. I want to be, I want to be like my brother Bob when I grow up. And I know something that's being said right now. Because he's in eternity where there is no time. And I know what's being said. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your love for us. That's so much more than what we deserve. Thank you for how well you provide how good you are to us when we're selfish and stingy and greedy and you still pour into us and love us and say I'm just giving you another opportunity to use that which I give you to help others to give to my work so Lord that's what we do even right now this very moment we turn to you say Lord help us we repent of making it anything about us. And we turn and make it all about you. And we give you all the room you need, all the room you need in our very hearts. Take it all. Take it all and pour into us that we can pour into others. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.